Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are studying lesson number six, and on today's episode, we will be looking at the lesson for Tuesday, February 5th, The Great Multitude. So, sorry about the last episode being kind of lengthy. <laughs> I was trying my best to stay within that 10 minute range, but hey. Uh, there's a lot to be said about the need to um, have a genuine, authentic experience. And I'm in that journey. The book of Revelation is really helping me see the beauty of having a life of integrity, a beauty of a life of consistency with the Lord. Today, I'm going to read to you something that made me very uncomfortable. And actually, I remember reading it for the first time uh, over a decade and a half ago in Mission College and still feeling uncomfortable. And actually, today, as I was studying for this lesson and preparing for this podcast, the Lord provided at least one insight that uh, has brought some peace and some, a better understanding of a statement found in a book called The Great Controversy, a book that is very important for Christians, very important for Seventh-day Adventists. And I'm going to read this to you. It says, this is from Tuesday's lessons. It says, nearest the throne, nearest the throne are those who were once zealous in the cause of Satan, but who plucked as a brand from the burning have followed their savior with deep, intense devotion. Next are those who perfected Christian characters in the midst of falsehood and infidelity. Those who honored the law of God when the Christian world declared it void and the millions of all ages who were martyred for their faith. And beyond is the great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, and peoples and tongues, before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Their warfare is ended, their victory won, they have run the race and reached the prize. The palm branch in their hands is a symbol of their triumph, the white robe, an emblem of the spotless righteousness of Christ, which now is theirs. Some beautiful statements in there, but I don't know if you caught it. They are nearest, then those are nearer, and then those that are near. And I thought, that doesn't sound like some of the things that Jesus would say, like the laborers that get hired early in the morning, then the laborers that get hired at noon, and then the laborers that get hired at the very end, and they all get the same reward. And I used to think, man, that doesn't sound like, like it's 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 biblical. <laughs> and then I I wrestle with it, of course. And we treat we we you know God loves everybody the same, and God treats everybody the same. How can there be this apparent strata 
of people that will be allowed to come nearer or nearest to the throne than those that are nearer and the, nearer and then those that are near. How can this be? And it as I wrestle with the Lord saying, Father, how can I even begin to explain this? When you know I'm I'm wrestling with this, something came up inside of me that I'm like, oh, I see. My own struggle with me processing this helped me understand it. And first of all, I'm going to go to the Bible to sh share with you some things that uh, present this paragraph in this book called The Great Controversy to actually be quite biblical <laughs> and quite consistent. Because you see this in the Old Testament as well, when God created this, uh, had the children of Israel build the sanctuary and how he directed the tribes to camp around that sanctuary. Some tribes were nearest, some tribes were nearer, but and then the rest of the tribes, of course, were near. But in Matthew chapter 12, verses 2 to 4, you have a list uh, of the disciples. Um, and let me see, Matthew chapter 12, verses 2 to 4. Sorry about that, it's Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 to 4. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him. These are the twelve, right? And they all were with Jesus all the time. And if you ask Jesus, do you love them? Of course I loved all of them. Now let us go to Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Luke chapter 9 verse 28 it says some eight days after these sayings he took along peter and john and james and went up on the mountain to pray and if you keep reading this is when jesus um, his glory gets manifested um, and he is called the transfiguration where his divinity shines through his humanity and they could see that this bright light and his clothing became super white um and of course, that's when he talks to Elijah and Moses. But it was only three, not the twelve. One last verse, John chapter 21, verse 20. You may already know where I'm going with this, at least with this last verse. John chapter 21, chapter 20, yeah, chapter 21 and verse 20. Peter, this is uh, Jesus after the resurrection, and they're walking along um, after um, Peter has gone fishing. Uh, all the disciples are there. And Peter, turning around, saw the, the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And there it is. Do you see it? <laughs> Number one, do you see that there's 12 disciples who are always near Jesus? But there's also these three, Peter, James, and John, who are nearer. But then you have this one disciple that is nearest. It's in the Bible. No other disciple gets described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Did Jesus have favorites? No. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of individuals. So it's not that God, or Jesus, in this specific situation, said, I'm going to love you more than the others. He loved them all the same, but not all responded to his love the same. John, being the youngest, most likely responded with a more open, 
heart and more willingness to be searched. And he wasn't, he's not a nice guy. He, him and his brother, remember, asked his mother if they could, you know, manipulate Jesus to putting them second in command. And also when the Samaritans would not accept Jesus and would not allow him to stay there, it was John and James that said, should we call fire from heaven and have these people scorched to death? Is that your will? Can we do that? So John was not a nice person. He's not, he was not the nicest of the disciples, but he allowed himself to become the most impressionable. John opened his heart the widest. And in doing so, he could come into closer fellowship. You have to remember that the night of the betrayal and the uh, judgment of Jesus, you have two disciples following Jesus into the judgment hall, John and Peter. But John is not hiding the fact that he's a disciple. Peter is. And at the cross, you only have one disciple left, one male, be specific, one male disciple left. And that is a disciple, John. And that's why Jesus could look at him and say, uh, son, behold your mother, and then to his mother, behold your son. And in those, in those saying, Jesus would ask his disciple John to care for his mother. Not because Jesus had favorites, but because Jesus honors our response to him, our openness, how much we allow him to work deep within our hearts. That doesn't earn us anything. It's not that you know we, we, we somehow get more heaven. You just get heaven. There's not that you get more eternal life. You get eternal life. You cannot get more than just eternal life. That's, that's it. So the parable of the laborers speak about that ultimate reward of eternal life. And this highlights that. This is just individuals that have come to understand the heart of God more. It's not that God loves them more. It's not that you know he has favorites or he'll have a strata of holy, holy, or holiest people. It's not none of that at all. It's God honoring our response and acknowledging it by allowing us who are closest to him on planet earth to be um, continuing that relationship in heaven. And which is encouraging, you know, you, you don't, sometimes we look at martyrs in other countries that truly, you know, have lived a life of self-sacrifice and self-denial. And let me just say this, there are millions who have done that, that we have no clue about. But in heaven, we'll be surprised to find this large crowd from all parts of the world nearest to Jesus because they have understood God in ways that I'm, I'm still learning, I'm still growing. I'm in America, the land of the free. Very difficult for me to understand persecution like someone from China or Afghanistan, right? Same for you. So this is not, I don't want this passage to cause us to feel confused that God somehow has favorites. But you know what I told you? There it is. When Peter says, what about him? G Peter picked up on this. The other disciples definitely picked up on it because when Jesus and James and John and Peter come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples had been bickering with each other because, man, what did they do? What do they have that we don't? Why did Jesus pick those three? And then this man comes with his son, demon-possessed, and none of them could cast out the demon-possessed, the demon. No one could rescue this son because their hearts were full of competitive darkness, spiritual competitive darkness. That's a what pernicious, cancerous, deadly disease for any Christian to have. When you feel jealousy over other individuals' apparent spiritual successes, apparent spiritual privileges, 
it is a very dark place to be find yourself in. And that's when it dawned on me. Ho, ho, hold up a second. Why does this bother me? Because when I look at Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, as to the process by which Lucifer became Satan, the light bearer became the adversary, the one who stands against, the accuser of the brethren, in his mind, it bothered him that Michael, this other you know, manifestation, visible, uh, tangible manifestation to the angels, which was Christ before the incarnation, um, who was God, and we'll talk more about this in another podcast, he, it, Lucifer could not fathom why this other, what he thought was just another um, angels like him, covering cherub like him, could enter into the councils with the Father, but he couldn't. What does he have that I don't? Why can't I be in the in crowd like him? The other disciples felt it. The Peter felt it. What about this man? And that's when I realized I need to guard myself. If this is what heaven will be like, I just need to rejoice and say, God, I'm so thankful you saved someone like me. David said it, you know, if I just stand in the corner in the house of the Lord, I'll be happy. And that's the attitude that we're invited to have. And as I read this paragraph, it's not just simply to be laid back and say, well, if I get in, I'll get in and I'll be happy with that. But rather realize we can enter into sympathizing uh, and understanding the heart of God and his self-sacrifice and self-denial for our salvation by us allowing ourselves that when God's providence opens the doors for us to experience self-sacrifice, to experience self-denial for the sake of others, to do so. Because in doing so, here on earth, I begin to understand the heart of God more. I begin to appreciate His character like I never did before. In that experience, that journey will continue in heaven. And so I'm not doing this so that I can be those that are near rest. It's not no sordid, self-exalting self motive. It's just simply falling in love with the character of God and that compelling me, propelling me to more and more shed these idols, this, this, these hidden idols that control how, in effect, how selfish I am sometimes. And at every revelation of those character traits, telling the Lord, wash me, wash me in the blood so that I can be like those 144,000 who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are way better thoughts than I had before. And a, a sobering reality. The fact that it bothered me that there were people closest to Jesus, I began to recognize echoes of the thoughts of Lucifer in heaven as the great controversy began to get birth in his mind. Evil, the mystery of iniquity, giving birth in his mind. It was jealousy and envy and covetousness. Why does Jesus get to go into it but not me? What does he have that I don't? I don't want that in my heart. And this part of the book of Revelation warns us to not allow it into our hearts. There's one response to an appeal. There's a, one invitation that I'm hoping myself and you will respond to all the time. When uh, Peter says to him, well, what about him, Lord? What about this man? Verse 22, John 21, verse 22. Jesus said to Peter, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. 
Don't worry about those nearest, nearer, or near. And don't stress as to whether you'll be in which group. The fact that you're there is sufficient for you to rejoice and express eternal gratitude to our Father in Heaven who gave us the gift of eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the appeal, the injunction today for you and me is not to stress about this, but simply to follow Him, to follow Jesus. This is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.